Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Well, hey, good morning. I'm going to invite Dante and Shalise to come join me. I'm trying to untangle cords and cables, and here you go, I'll give you that one. Thank you. Can we welcome them as they come? I'm Pastor Zach, uh, lead pastor of Connection Point Church, and uh, we've been having a conversation about love our neighbors, and want to continue that conversation today with love your neighbors of a different race. And uh, this is a, a timely series. It's something we actually had planned in the fall as we had a vision Sunday on, on For Greater Lafayette and Love Your Neighbor. And uh, Lord knew the times we would be in right now. He knew that in last August. And, and so this has been timely for us to talk about how do we love our neighbor well? It's core to the gospel. Love God, love others. Like if we can't get that right, might as well close the doors. Like it's not church. So love God, love others. So how do we do that? How do we do that well? And uh, the, the opening question in this week's leadership team meeting, we have meetings on Tuesday, and I just wrote on the board, I said, do we want to be a diverse and inclusive church? Because, you know, those are two different things. You can be a diverse church and not stand in solidarity with others. You can be a diverse church and not really include others. And, and so that was the question. And, and so as we began talking through all of those things in that question, uh, one of the staff members went to the board and kind of reworked the question. And and really what the question is, is sure we can ask that on an organizational level, and, and there's a measure of people in this room as we talk about Scripture and every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, we'd be like, yes, but now let's bring that home. Let's bring that here and ask it personally. Do I want to be a person who values diversity and includes others? No matter what. And that's where we've really got to go. So I would, I would ask you to ask that question of yourself. And what was fun is we were, began talking through that conversation. One of the other staff members, not very far into it, she just said, do we even have a choice? And what she meant by that was the vision of this church. So what you saw was, you know, we're leading people to become everyday disciple makers of Jesus, but for a reason, in order to fulfill God's big dream. And we need to tie those two things together. And what is God's big dream? God's big dream, Revelation 7, 9, that one day every tongue, tribe, people, and nation around the throne worshiping. The kingdom of God is unity and diversity. That's the kingdom. And, and so what we want to talk about today is how do we do that well? How do we become both a diverse and inclusive church and, and do that better? So let me say that. We can, there's always room for improvement. How do we do that better? And so that's what we'd like to talk through a little bit this morning. I invited a, a couple of individuals to, to help me with that conversation. And so we're just going to run through questions and we'll interject thoughts along the way. But I'll first have them introduce themselves. And, and so we've got Shalise. And so maybe Shalise, if you want to introduce yourself and how long you've been at Connection Point Church and a little bit of your background. My name is Shalise. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have been attending CPC for 12 years. I started coming as a freshman in 2008 when I was a freshman at Purdue, and three degrees later, I'm still here. Uh, so I have a PhD in curriculum and instruction, and my focus of study was in multicultural education. And I'm originally from New Jersey. Thank you, Shalise. And then, so this is my friend Dante, so I'll introduce him a little bit. 
I actually found out something from your dad for service. Oh, oh Lord. <laughs> so Dante's from Greater Lafayette area. He attended the preschool at Bethel Christian Life Center. So he doesn't know it, but he's got Bethel in his bones. So Dante is, I got to know Dante from CrossFit. We work out in the mornings, and, and so he keeps me humble every week. He outlifts me every day. I, I shared in first service, Monday, we were doing something called double unders with jump rope, and, and Dante, and he's going after it. 17 double unders. I'm like, Dante, you're inspiring me, man. I'm going to do it. Two. <laughs> so it's been fun to get to know Dante over the last, uh, probably last year. When did you start going to CrossFit? Is it last August? Yes. Okay. Yeah, last August. That's correct. Anyways. So, uh, yeah, feel free to introduce yourself, just a bit of your background, maybe how long you've been in Greater Lafayette area. Yeah, so um, born and raised here in Lafayette. So I went to Klondike, Harrison, and then graduated from Purdue University. So if anybody goes to Klondike, Harrison, or Purdue, give me a hoo-hoo. All right, all right. (laughs) All right, uh, and so born and raised here, uh, I own a company called Premier Auto Detailing here locally, and like I said uh, before, that uh, we don't only clean dirty cars, but we clean dirty hearts also, so it's amazing (laughs) how God sends people through the doors and uh, to work for us or even customers, and uh, they get to know me, and we end up sharing uh, about Jesus, amen? That's good, amen. So what I'd like to share, too, so we started the conversation really a couple of weeks ago, but last week was love your LGBTQ neighbor, and today is love your neighbor of a different race. And, and what I'd like to share is these are really opening conversations of an ongoing conversation, that, that where we go from the series is we do want to run through Acts as a part of that, but then get into this next year, a family life series of learning to live in the family of Jesus. Because although we have this promise in Scripture that when we come to Christ, we are new creatures in Christ. I mean, it's actually like a new ethnos, like there's something incredible about that. But yet at the same time, we're contending with grandpa in our bones. And so the question is, how do we do that? How do we partner with the Holy Spirit to say, Jesus, I know I have this promise of new creation in Christ. How can you, as you bring things to the surface of my heart and life, deal with those things so I can better represent you to the world in which I live? Because the Holy Spirit is forming Christ in us. It's called sanctification. And so what, I, what we get in, so I share this with you to say this is a beginning conversation of an ongoing conversation as we get into the fall talking about Jesus and. So Jesus and scripture and Jesus and missions, those are foundational, but Jesus and justice and Jesus and race and Jesus and marriage, all of those things are really important for us to consider and make application to if we're going to live well in the family of Jesus. So I don't want you to think this conversation ends here. What I want to do is hopefully in your hearts open the door to say, we should be talking about these things. And you need to be comfortable to talk about things. So what I want to do this morning, my goal is, is to start a conversation to help you feel more comfortable because what I have found is a lot of people just don't know what to say. So they don't say anything, and that's not the answer. So we want to be able to have conversations. So kind of to start out, maybe, I know one of the questions I've got is, you know, so what's the right term? Because people don't, good-hearted people don't want to offend. And so, like, do we use the word black? Do we use the word African-American? So just kind of maybe get us started with that. What is, maybe unpack that a little bit. It depends. Um, (laughs) So the difference between black and African-American, to use, I guess, the larger words, black is a race, African-American is an ethnicity. So what does that mean? African-American in the U.S. context would be someone who 
identifies their ancestry. They can they root it back to slavery, so they don't know exactly what country their ancestors came from. Um, they know the continent is Africa, hence African American. Black would be more encompassing of anyone who is a part of the African di diaspora. So, like. All black people trace their roots back to Africa, but some people have uh, newer roots that they can trace it back to. So like if someone's from Jamaica, they wouldn't consider themselves an African-American. If they were a US citizen, they'd, consider themselves, they'd probably consider themselves Jamaican-American. Or if someone was from Nigeria, which is a country in Africa, they would consider themselves Nigerian-American. They might also consider themselves African-American just technically because they're from the continent of Africa, but that wouldn't be their ethnicity. So black would be a more encompassing term if you don't necessarily know where the person is from. Thanks, Shalise. Dante, anything to share there? Yeah, uh, but before I get started, um, I do want to say don't be offended, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of things that we say, uh, and, and thank, everybody give Pastor Zach a round of applause. And so the reason why we want to give him a round of applause is because these are difficult conversations and to open this up to his body of Christ, I think that that's applaudable, Amen. right? Amen. So, so what I say, don't be offended because if we say something and you don't understand, the Bible says, and all you're getting, get a what? An understanding. So if you don't understand something, don't be afraid to come up to one of us and say, hey, can you talk to me a little bit more about that. Cause I, I didn't agree, but maybe I didn't hear it right. So, so I'll say that first, but it's good, but can I definitely can I pause agree. you there. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So as your pastor, if you put up defenses or walls, you're going to miss it and you're going to miss some really good things today. So, I mean, just <laughs> we're good, right? Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Um, so she's a hundred percent right on black. Um, I went to Songs of Solomon 1, 5, and 6, and I want to read this to you. It says, <clears throat> I am black. All right, so the Bible says that this person, this woman says, I am black. But then she says, but comely. You guys know what comely means. I looked it up, and it says, pleasant to look at or attractive. So she says, I am black, but comely. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. And I chuckled when I read Curtains of Solomon because, you know, Solomon wanted to sleep in. So he had these black curtains, right? These blackout curtains. So she <laughs> says she's like the, the, the Curtains of Solomon. Then she says, look not upon me because I am black or don't look down on me because I am black because the sun hath looked upon me. OK, so we understand that she's talking about her skin color. And it says my mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard have I not kept. So black to me, when you read the word of God, is the right word to call us. Amen. That's good. Thank you, guys. And, and so part of where we find ourselves today in uh, the culture we're living in is, is obviously the conversation of, of racism connected to how do we love our, our neighbor of a different race. And when you look at, at racism, it really is a stronghold of the enemy who's actually going against and attacking the very dream of God. The very dream of God of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So if that's God's dream, the enemy says, that's what you want, I'm going to bring division, I'm going to bring bitterness, I'm going to bring fear and hate, and I want to absolutely blow up that dream. And so racism is against the dream of God. 
So what that means is in the church, there is no room for racism. None. Zero. Because it's absolutely against the dream of God. So then when we see that, our response should be very quickly grabbing our neighbor of a different race to say, I come against that in Jesus' name. This is the kingdom of God. This is the church of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So, but it would help us to understand what is racism, because I think sometimes there's, there's confusion in terms of what that is. So, so maybe, Shalise, if you could kind of define, and I'm asking Shalise, so she shared her background. So this isn't like Shalise's opinion. This is like PhD studies on what is racism. So if you could define that a little bit. Yes. Um, so most people, when you hear the term racism, it's in the context of like, that's racist or that person is racist. Um, and then usually the response is, no, I'm not racist. And so I find that's not really helpful to label people as racist because then it's just a defense of I'm not racist and you haven't got anywhere. Um, people can be biased. People can be prejudiced. People can be bigots. A bigot is someone who just hates someone because of their skin color or some other trait about them. Uh, but racism I, is defined as a system or a structure and I'm speaking about the U.S. context. In other countries, it will be different. But in the U.S. context, uh, the structure of racism was introduced as a way really to justify slavery uh, so that rich people could get richer. Um, so the foundation was greed in the beginning. Uh, in order to justify having slaves, they created the race of black people and then said that black people were less than human, the Constitution actually defines us as three-fifths of a person, but they um, that was how they were able to justify enslaving another human being and treating us the way that they did, or just killing people, selling people, breeding people so that they could make more money. That was all out of the basis of these aren't actual humans, so we can do this. Hmm. And that's also how they were able to then also say, but we're still Christians. Um, so that was part of that racial categorization but the system then was built to uh, favor white people while disadvantaging people of other races. So the other part of race was citizenship. In order to be a citizen, you had to be white. Um, in order to own property, you had to be white. In order to vote, you had to be white, which means that they had to then decide who is white. Um, and that's how we created like white versus black versus other races. Hmm. And that's also how in the US, a lot of people, a lot of white people don't necessarily know their background either. They can just trace it to European because as their ancestors came, they had to basically erase their ethnicity in order to blend into what white was so that they could have the rights of citizenship. So that structure was built and then it continues to be maintained by laws and policies that favor white people while disadvantaging others. And as far as it being a hierarchy, who falls beneath and in what order can change based off of the situation or what the needs of the economy are at the moment. That's good. Thank you, Shalise. Thanks for defining that. So one of the, the comments I've, I've heard shared is, and again, out of the, the goodness of someone's heart to say, how can I do this better? How can I, I be a good moral person? Well, I'll just be colorblind. And, and so I guess the question would be, is that the right answer that we just are, are colorblind? You both can answer that kind of differently, however you... <clears throat> Colorblind, um, we can't be colorblind. I mean, it's, it's not possible, right? Because, and I say that saying that if you try to just make everybody one color, it eliminates the diversity of what God has created. And, and it's so beautiful. Like when you look into the, 
the sea, when you look into the sky and you see the different colors of birds, I mean, you got the peacock, you got the hawk, like all of them look so different and they're all beautiful in their own way. Same with the fish of the sea. And that's the same way that he made us. I mean, I, I don't want to look out and see everyone looking the same. So he made all of us beautiful in our own aspect. You know, the, the, the black is, is beautiful. The, like, like she said uh, on here, I am black, but I am beautiful. Uh, the Asian is, 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 is Asian, but he's beautiful. The white is white, but he's beautiful. So I don't think colorblind is the answer. Um, but I got to thinking about this a little bit more. God, even though he made us all different colors, the Bible says we should have no respect of persons. So that's where we ought to be. It's not colorblind. Don't look at the color, but we shouldn't treat people different based on color. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. No respect of person. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white. We treat each other all the same. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, too, that the Lord says that we can look on the outward appearance of man. But God, what looks on the inward. Right. So he opens up like this color. He opens all of that up and he looks at my heart where there is no color. Amen. Mm -hmm. So he looks way past. And that's what we ought to be. We should be like him. And not hold a respect of, of person just because someone is a different color. So you can't be colorblind. Oh, wait, wait. I guess you could be colorblind. But, but, but intentionally trying not to see color, I do not believe that's the answer. Yeah, some people are medically colorblind. Um, <laughs> they can't see the difference between red and green. Uh, we don't have people that are red or green, though. So... Um, <laughs> the idea of colorblindness came from Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech where he said that he has a dream that someday his children will be judged not by the color of their skin, by the content of their character. Um, that didn't mean that uh, he wanted people to suddenly not realize that his children were black, but rather to be able to see that his children were black and appreciate who they were. Um, and so to be colorblind would be, I mean, there's two issues with that. Uh, the first is that it's not true. Um, so a lot of people that I talk to, I have a lot of students that say this to me too, a lot of Christian students, uh, I teach in agriculture. Um, so they will say like, I am colorblind because um, I was taught to treat all people were equal because God created all people equal. And that's true. And they did learn that, but they forget all the other things that they were taught more implicitly. Um, so our culture teaches negative messages about different races, um, and they teach our culture teaches stereotypes, and we absorb those things. We learn those things, even if it's not on a conscious level. And so you have to recognize that those are also influencing you. So when you say you're colorblind, you're ignoring all of those other messages that you've learned, but that are still influencing you. Mm. The other issue of being colorblind is. So like when Pastor Zach was saying like that if part of our body is hurting, that we should weep of those who weep. Mm -hmm. If I say that black people are hurting, but you're colorblind, you can't relate to that. You can't understand that because mm -hmm. you don't see color. Um, what does it mean to be black? Why are black people hurting? Isn't everybody hurting? Um, and so you don't have room to empathize if you're trying to be colorblind. So don't be colorblind, but um, recognize the different races and the different cultures and don't make judgments based off of those. That's good. And thanks for bringing up because I, I talked about that first service. I don't know that I, I mentioned that here, but 
a really important principle right now, so I'm talking about right now, and really all times. First Corinthians, it says that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And, and so that's a bit of what Shalise is alluding to. And, and we need to understand that some of the black and brown members of our congregation, our community, are suffering. And the question is, are we suffering with them? Are we calling and asking, man, how are you doing? And are you willing to weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn? And that's the picture of the body. And I think that's a great response of how we really go after things. And, and the answer is no, we should really not be colorblind. We're not colorblind at Connection Point Church. And in fact, we value diversity. And, and the picture that God has, his church growth model is unity and diversity. Because it's only in the context of the kingdom that that really works. We see it's not working in the world. And I've said it before that the world's going to be the world, but the church has got to be the church. Which is then becomes a picture to the world, this is how things can be when Jesus is enthroned in people's hearts. That we become this new ethnos, the people of God. And, and that does not in any way then diminish the ethnicity of all of those that make that up. Because in every culture, there's strengths and weaknesses. And so God's picture is, and I want you to be codependent in such a way that you can raise up those strengths and then diminish those weaknesses because you're better together. And so that's what we want to go after here, is we've, we've got to make sure that we're valuing diversity and including people to the level where it's, 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 it's evident that that's what we're going after. So um, that's a bit on, on the colorblind. But, but I'd, I'd like to, I know one of the other comments or questions I've entertained is that, that understanding of, but we had the civil rights movement. You know, isn't racism done? You know, slavery's been abolished. We had the civil rights movement. So I guess racism is done. And, and, and so what I'd like to be able to explain to that, and Shalise has already answered some of that about what racism is. Um, but I wanted to also bring that to a personal level. Uh, if you guys would be willing to share just maybe a time where you experienced some of the effects of racism in our culture today. Yeah, I'll take it first. Um, you know, growing up here in the 80s, um, I grew up in a trailer park and, you know, at a young age, uh, <clears throat> we would get off the bus and um, I remember the kid's name. Uh, his name is Dustin. I hope Dustin is a born again believer now, uh, like I am. But if you're uh, listening, we love you. <laughs> yeah, we love you. We're going to tell stories about you. <laughs> so, so young Dustin <laughs> used to get off the bus and, and it, it was like a game for him. He would try to uh, he would try to get off the bus faster than me. And he'd be, you know, get, get a good distance because I was a little fast when I was when I was young. And so he would yell out the N-I-G-G-E-R word and I would take off chasing him. Right. Right. And, and the game for him was that if I make it inside my house before I catch him, uh, he won. But if I catch him, I mean, we would commence to fighting and uh, then I, I would feel like I won. So he would say it. I take off after him. I'm running, running, running. You know, I caught him. You know, we're fighting right there. And then uh, he goes in the house. He gets his dad, and and uh, you know, he, he he says that you know this this n i g g r you know different things. And and so I, I tell his dad. I said, hey, you know, your son did this. He called me this. And the dad says, hey, you know, Dustin, get out here and beat this n i g g r's you know butt. But he says something more explicit. And at a young age, it's like, man, you know, you're taught as a child that the adults have it together. And so I learned at a young age that that was not so. So that's when, you know, really uh, I started diving into to, to some racism towards me. And, and, you know, I just had an incident where a guy was cleaning a car just a couple weeks ago. And the salesman came to get the vehicle and they had rap music in there. And he said, turn this N-I-G-G-E-R music off. And they assumed that we put it on there. But guess what? 
the person he was selling the car to that test drove it was a black woman and she had it on her radio station. And so it's like this constant, uh, they, they feel like that they can call us this, but that's, that's the same word that they used to say as they killed us, right? So it's not okay um, to say those type of things. So that's when I really started experiencing And my mom is here today. Um, she reminded me of something different that uh, when I was young, maybe like 14, 15 years old, and uh, they said a VP was robbed here. And I was leaving from her shop, and, and they uh, said, your boys did it. Your boys did it. We're going to lock them up. Your, your boys robbed a VP. But guess what? It wasn't us. It was some other African-American younger people, but they assumed that we all looked alike. Right. So there's like this constant uh, you guys look alike. You guys did it. Lock them up. But and then I told my mom, like, can you imagine, man, I could have been locked up for 20, 30 years over something I didn't do because why? They said I look like the guy, the skin color. Um, hmm. And so. So, yeah, I've, I've experienced it. Yeah. Thank you, Dante. Uh, so. I will share a couple of instances that I've experienced, but I don't want people to walk away with the thought that this is just something that people of color have to deal with. Mm. Um, racism used to be called the Negro problem. Um, mm. But it's not just something that black people deal with. Like racism affects all of us. Mm -hmm. um, for some people, they get advantages from racism. From some people, they get disadvantages. But as the church, it's a negative for all of us. Because as Pastor Zach was saying, um, like there's not supposed to be division and racism causes division. So if you're a white Christian, you're negatively affected by racism because racism causes division that you shouldn't have in your life as a Christian. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just within the church, but as society, like as a result of racism, neighborhoods are segregated, schools are segregated, classes within schools are segregated. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you end up having a very small social circle where everybody in your social circle or your neighborhood looks like you, which gives you a small and limited worldview and also a limited view of God because God is a God of all people. Um, but for me personally, just as an individual, when I was 10, my parents moved uh, from Newark, New Jersey, which is the largest city in Jersey, to this tiny town called Oxford. If you Google Oxford, New Jersey, um, Google image search it. There'll be a picture that comes up that says welcome to Oxford with the KKK standing underneath it um, So that's the town that I came from thankfully the KKK wasn't as active when I grew up I grew up in the 90s, but we didn't move there until the early 2000s um, However, my family was a foster family and so we had a caseworker who was a black woman and She came to visit us and she was telling us the story of when she'd come out there in the 80s um, and the guy was like, you need to leave now. Like, it's getting dark and the clan meetings were about to start. Um, so she had to go. I mean, but going to school, like, I had peers whose parents were involved with the KKK or had grandparents who had been involved. I had a boy tell me once that I was dumb because I was black and that's what his dad told him. Um, I was one of the smartest kids in my class, but um, to him, that's all he could see. Like, he was measuring my intelligence off of my skin color. Um, and there have been other incidents that have happened throughout life. Like, I've been called the N-word at Purdue before, um, which is funny because when I talk to my students, a lot of them have this wrong notion that um, racism is just a problem of the older generation. And so once they pass away, then it'll be fine. 
Um, but the issue is that racism in the U.S. is a generational issue, and it gets passed on and passed on, which is why we still haven't reached equality or racial justice in this country because it's continually passed on. And until the church figures it out and stops imitating the patterns of the world, it's going to continue to be a problem within the church as well, and it's not going to be fixed in society. That's good. Thank you. So, you know, the conversation as we talk about love your neighbor and love your neighbor of a different race, that's, that's really what we're going after. And so I'd like us to kind of bridge that to you got to have understanding to then create, well, how do we love well? And, and, and so with a bit of that as foundation and understanding, maybe some thoughts on how do we love our neighbor of a different race in meaningful ways? Any, any thoughts there? I have many thoughts there. <laughs> um, so Pastor Zach asked me this last summer, and uh, I prayed about it and had like a whole long list of things. Um, and I talked about some of it within the vision video that we'd made. Um, but as I was praying about it this time around, I felt like God just placed one scripture on my heart because I was like, if I give people a list of things to do, it's just going to be like, don't know what to do now. Let's just keep on going. Um, and as he said, this is an opening conversation. So here's your first step. <laughs> um, I want you to examine yourself. So the scripture I felt like God told me was Romans 12, 3, uh, which says, do not think of yourself more highly, more highly than you ought. And in the U.S., as a white person, you've been taught to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. It's through many avenues, but I'll give an example of schools and the education that we receive. Most of us learn about how Europeans came and how Christopher Columbus discovered America. And uh, the Europeans came and settled it, and they conquered the West, and they created civilization and manifest destiny. This was God's land for the white people. And then they allowed other people to come. Um, and then, like they touched on slavery, touched on the civil rights movement, that's really all you learn about black history. Um, I didn't learn anything about any other races besides white and then a little bit about black growing up. Um, but as I've gotten older and read more, like all the different races and ethnicities contributed in meaningful ways to the building of this society. But what we mainly learn about is the positive contributions of white people and how black people were victims. And then we kind of overcame and... Um, as a result, as a white person, you think more highly of yourself than you ought to. You don't have an accurate view of your ancestry or who you are. And it's true in the same way with media, how most of the leading characters in movies, video games are white, whereas other ethnicities are side characters. And so white people are the center, everyone else is the supporting cast. Um, and so then as a black person, that teaches me to think more lowly of myself than I ought. Um, Growing up, another example of the experience and the effects of racism, I went to a predominantly black school, and I was made, um, this is before we moved, so I was made fun of for getting good grades because I was told I was acting white. Um, and that's an effect of racism, where you mm. get a negative concept of yourself, where you think that in order to excel in academics, that's not something that you're supposed to do as a black person. That's an effect of racism as well. Mm. Um, and so for... All people, I think, the starting point is getting an accurate view of yourself and how God sees you and rooting your identity in him, not rooting your identity in the negative messages that society has taught me or rooting your identity in being an American or a white American and having an overinflated view of yourself. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that, Romans 12, 2, so right before that verse, 
says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. And the pattern of this world is a racial hierarchy, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind through abiding, through reading the word, through prayer, um, through spending time with Jesus so that you can correct those wrong thoughts. And that's a constant, continuous process, um, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal what are the stereotypes that you're believing? What are the biases that you're holding? What are the wrong views that I have of myself and other people? And then, God, what are your views of those? Help me to correct those, to see my brothers and sisters correctly. So that's, that's the first step, is starting with you and examining Amen. yourself. Amen. Wow. That's that's give a round of applause. Amen. Man. I love Shalise's, uh, her comments. Um, and I, I really like to, to, to piggyback on one of those things you said. In the Bible, it does say that if I be anywise other than perfect, he shall reveal that unto me. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then they say, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. So that's basically what she's saying, where she's starting, looking in the mirror. Um, But I I would like to say that how can you love a person of another race better? And to me, it starts with you standing up in personal relationships. That's where it starts. And so I pose the question, and I'm going to pose it to you, is why was Jesus killed? Why was Jesus killed? Is it because he didn't say anything? Is it because he agreed with everything that was happening in society? No. It was because he testified that the deeds of this world are what? Evil. And so he was persecuted for that and killed. John the Baptist was beheaded, head cut off. But why? That's what you have to ask yourself. Why was John the Baptist's head cut off? Was it because he was silent and didn't say anything? Or was it because he just went along with what the society was doing? No. John the Baptist was under a king, and the king was, took his brother's wife. And John the Baptist stood for what was right, said, hey, king, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so he was beheaded because of his testimony. And so now that brings me to how do you love another race? So there's this thing at work where they say there was a black guy, an Asian guy, and a white guy. And it's a joke. That's where you stand up. Don't laugh and just roll with it. You stand against it. Now, will you be persecuted? Would they ask you not to sit with us at lunch? Yeah, probably. But that's where it starts. Hmm. When they say hateful things and words, do you say, no, dad, I do not stand for that and be persecuted? See, Jesus said that I send forth not peace, but a sword. See, it's going to cause division. He said from henceforth, it should be five in one house, two against three and three against two. Why? Because what you stand for. But you cannot say anything and just let it go. But this is where it starts. How you love a person of another race is you stand against the injustice when it's being spoken to you right next to you. Um, another thing I wanted to say is that I spoke to Zach. I want to just continue to thank you. 
after the first uh, message today, I went out and I was just sitting out front and, and my parents went and went and got my family for me to bring them today. And I spoke to the most amazing woman. She came up to me and she testified to me. She was raised in deep South Florida. I mean, this woman's just nice as pie. I mean, nicest woman I've, I've met, you know, and she's just nice as pie. I had no clue that she's been through these things. She says, I was raised in the deep south of Florida. And I had a, a, a black woman that took care of me during slavery times. We called her Mammy. And she says, I didn't know she was a slave. I just knew she took care of everything, cooked everything. And then all of a sudden, Mammy was no more. And she says, when I got older and I started to grow up, she said, my parents never referred to somebody as black. She said she only said the N-I-G-G-E-R word. That's the only thing she ever called them. And she said she hated black people. And I looked at her, I said, my, my goodness, why? Did she just hate all races? She hated all races, right? She says, no. She had no other problem with any races, just black people. She hated them. And she said, for this reason, I moved away to provide a better life for my children that, do, that is not raised under this hatred. And guess what? This is, this is what I'm so thankful that Zach brought this up. She says, I moved away from my mom and said, we're not going to stand for this hatred. And she says, I have not talked to my mom for 20 years. I am disowned by my mom. But she said, it started with a decision that I will no longer stand. I will not raise my children under this. That's Jesus. Wow. That's Jesus. And and so I'm looking at her. I'm almost in tears, right? I'm like, like you stood. She didn't have to. She could have had a good life with her mom and just said, oh, yeah, yeah, mom, and just heard all those bad words, but she moved away. And now, and I can see her pain inside of her, and I'm going to keep praying for her. Who wants to be disowned by their mother, especially being a daughter, right? But she did it because she believed in something greater. So, So how do you love someone of another race? She's amazing. She's amazing. I would like if she would be willing to share her testimony eventually with your church since she goes here. And when you were talking, part of what came back to my mind is, is, you know, the context of the scripture is, is that there will actually be greater division in the world. We're not seeing any of that right now, right? But what's supposed to then be the result in the church is greater unity. So while there's this greater division that occurs there, what happens is then there's this, this coming, this stronger coming together that happens within the church. And so that's my prayer that, and, and I'm going to close with a scripture connected to that. But before I do, um, that's a good word, Dante. Um, so although your choices and the way that you stand with solidarity with, with all of the members of your congregation, it might create some vision in the world in which you live. It actually should then create this supernatural unity that God then works through to transform us first, transform us collectively, and then the world outside. But there is going to be some challenges that, that you face as you really step that out. Um, Maybe just in terms of application, too, I want to share just a thought on, and this really is a family conversation. So look, if you're tuning in online and and not a part of the church, you're more than welcome. Glad for you to participate. But but in the end, I really am talking to our congregation right here. And and let me put this before you in terms of a takeaway or point of application. Many of the black and brown members of our congregation, they're hurting. And if they are hurting, we are hurting. And I have felt that. As a pastor, I have felt that. I mean, it's just, and, and God plants that. 
And so then what I would put before you is, is if you have relationship with those individuals in our church, please call, text, invite over to your house and ask, how are you doing? And when they say good, ask again, how are you really doing? So please, that would be my, my point of action for you is do that. And then I would also put before you, if you're a part of this congregation and you don't know any of the black or brown members of this congregation, number one, you're missing out on something. And so you need to go and start establishing relationships there. So that would be a point of application. But I think what I'd like to do, and I didn't in first service, and as we were worshiping this morning, Scripture came back to my mind. Because what what the Lord is speaking to my heart about this is, oh, please, may this be here. It is Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Because this is what the Lord's just been dropping in my heart. It's like there's so much. And and I'll tell you, about a month ago, as as I was feeling overwhelmed with the challenges in our culture. And Jesus doesn't, that's not from the Lord. So then immediately you turn to the Lord and say, God, I know you're doing something here and I want you to have your way. And Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says, now to him, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. And how do we ask? In prayer. Now to him who could do far more in prayer and and what we ask or think according to the power at work within us. He's been working, he's caused this shaking and he's bringing to the surface things in our lives that he says, by the way, in case you didn't know this is there, it's there. And guess what? I want to make you a new creation and deal with it. He's working within us to him be the glory in the church and the Christ through all generations forever. So what he's saying, above whatever you could ask or think, imagine, picture a different reality in terms of what the church can look like. Come with your best idea and then I'm going to blow your mind. I love that. So that's how we're going to close in prayer this morning. King Jesus, we come to you with what the best that we can ask and think. We're going to come with our best idea. We're going to come with our best prayer and say, Jesus, bring unity and diversity. God, it is our heart's desire to be the fulfillment of your big dream of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Lord, we have that in this town, in the greater Lafayette area. The nations are here. Ethnos, races are here. And so, Jesus, I just pray that you would make this church that so that the world can look and say, with everything so divided, how can those people be so united? And it's because, Jesus, you are our banner. And so, God, I just pray that greater than anything we can think, anything we can pray, that we will come with our best and then you're going to blow our minds. So, Jesus, we just ask that you blow our minds. We just ask that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more. And, God, we just thank you in advance for the work you're doing now and the work that you're going to do in the future. And we commit this day, we commit these things, we commit all these conversations to you, Jesus. They are yours. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.